0: Hey there and welcome to episode 43 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 43, we are visiting with one of the co founders of the Challenged Athletes Foundation. And if you're not familiar with CAF, uh, this nonprofit is based out of the San Diego, California area and has provided funding opportunities as well as hosted many athletic events for people with disabilities, uh, including many blind and visually impaired athletes. And I do hope you find this episode very informative and enjoyable as well. Uh, If you are a blind or visually impaired athlete out there who's not familiar with CAF and the great uh, funding opportunities that they offer, highly recommend listening to this entire episode and certainly look up uh, Challenged Athletes Foundation online uh, to apply for many of the grants that they offer uh, to help you compete in uh, whatever sports uh, you enjoy competing in. So here we go with episode 43. 43. Okay, so my guest on this episode of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast is Bob Babbitt. And Bob is one of the co-founders of the Challenged Athletes Foundation and currently an ambassador uh, for CAF. Bob, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Greg. It's an honor. I appreciate your time.
0: Absolutely. It's an honor to have you on. Uh, I know like we were talking about before we started, uh, I have received several grants from your organization And I'm just so thrilled to have you on to be able to raise awareness about the the opportunities out there uh, for blind and visually impaired athletes and really athletes of all different uh, physical challenges. That's, you know, the key is, in my mind, is
1: is sport. The power of sport is underestimated. And when somebody needs a piece of equipment or training or travel to stay in a game of life through sport that it's it's our honor to see how we can help make that happen.
0: Absolutely well said. Uh, so Bob I know that you uh, yourself uh, have competed in many triathlons, ironman events and uh, if you want to just talk about your introduction to sure. to endurance sports.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I moved out here to San Diego from Chicago back in 1978 and was running a, prog- a PE program at a little private school called the Children's School and uh, was getting into running and sort of individual sports like that. And then we read an article in sports illustrated back in 1979 about this crazy event called the Ironman triathlon. And it was only 15 people were in the race, both in 78 and the 79 and only 12 finished each year, but there was like an eight page article, uh, in sports illustrated on this crazy event. And so my roommate at the time, a guy named Ned Overend, who went on to become world mountain bike champion, but mountain bikes hadn't been invented yet. That's how far back <laughs> this goes. So the, the two of you us know. read this article and decided, well, gosh, let's, we'll give this a try. And we went to the police auction and bought bicycles. My bike was seventy-five dollars. And we really didn't know what we were doing. You know, it's not like you can go online and, and find out information on this stuff back in, you know, nineteen seventy-nine. Sure. So, you know, we we uh, we ended up sending our $25 in and, and getting bicycles and heading over to Oahu to do this thing called the Ironman. And to be honest, I had no idea that you were supposed to do the thing in one day. So we, I actually, my plan was I had a panniers, sleeping bag and tent on the bike. I thought you swam 2.4 road, 56 camped out and rode back the, and rode back the next day and ran the marathon. It was a little bit of a surprise when I found out you did the whole thing in one day. But right. it, it ended up being one of those things that really changed my life because of the fact that I didn't know I could do it, and ended up finishing the thing, and you know ended up leaving teaching and uh, going and working for a magazine called Running, the Running News, which uh, convinced the the publisher to change it to Running and Triathlon News based on the 108 guys and gals who had just done this Ironman thing. I I just felt the sport was going to be special, and that led to eventually in 1987 we launched. Competitor magazine and built that, uh, covering running, triathlon, cycling, mountain biking, and challenged athletes. Uh, but built that to eleven editions and half a million circulation around the U.S. over time. And and back in '08, it became the competitor group, and we owned all the rock and roll marathons and a series I had started called Muddy Buddy, and um, uh, Triathlete magazine and Velo News magazine and Women's Running magazine. It, be, it became a big entity. And we had 22 staff when I first sold Competitor, and the next thing you know, we had 500 staff, and we had a you know, 50,000 square foot warehouse. And Rock and Roll went from seven Rock and Roll events to 34 all over the world. So it's it's been it's been exciting to see the acceleration and growth of endurance sports. And an offset of that was in, uh, in 1985. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Jim McLaren, who was a football player at Yale, offensive lineman. And back in 85, he was taking acting classes in New York and was on his motorcycle. When he got hit by a bus, thrown 90 feet in the air, dead on arrival. He lived, lost his lower left leg and came back on a walking leg to run a 316 marathon. And then came to the Ironman World Championship, which obviously I was very involved with and covering. And he ran, he went 10 hours and 42 minutes for this 2.4 mile swim and 112 mile bike ride and 26.2 mile run with a leg that would have been considered prehistoric compared to what the sea sprint legs that people are running on today. So Jimmy and I became close friends during that time. And then eight years later, he was tra- he was racing up in Mission Viejo here in California and a van went through a closed intersection, hit the back of his bike, propelled him head first into a pole. And he became a quadriplegic and that's when myself and two close friends from the world of triathlon uh, rick Koslowski and jeffrey Essikow, the three of us got together and i had covered wheelchair athletes through competitor and the stories were always so rich and vibrant you know coming back from adversity and so I, was, I, I really believed in these athletes, and one of the things that, the ath- that a lot of the wheelchair athletes would tell me when I'd ask, what's the worst part about now being paralyzed when before you weren't, it was invariably, I'm 30 years old, here come mom and dad back in my life. No sense of self, no sense of independence. So that made it easy to say, let's figure out how to help Jim be independent, and let's raise $25,000 by putting on a little triathlon and we'll get Jimmy a van with hand controls to give him independence. Mm. That was it. And we raised 49, we thought our job was done, but three amputee women who had come to our race uh, that we created for Jimmy, they came because Jimmy had been their role model and got them into endurance sports. And they did the event as a relay and came up to us afterwards and, and thanked us and then said, it's great what you did for Jimmy, but did you know that if you get injured, your health insurance will cover a walking around leg or an everyday wheelchair, but nothing to do with sport is covered by insurance because insurance companies consider sport a quote-unquote luxury item, which we felt was total unadulterated garbage. So that's where we got our 501.3C and decided if anybody needed a piece of equipment, training, or travel to stay in a game of life through sport, that CAF would be there. And now it's been 27 years. We've raised $136 million dollars. We've sent out over 35,000 grants to athletes in all 50 states and 73 countries and 103 different sports, which is the the part that always gets me is who knew there were 103 different sports.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, just the varieties is really something. And uh, in terms of actual funding options, so I definitely want to talk about specifically, uh, you know, who can be eligible to receive one of these grants and what it can actually cover.
1: Yeah, in terms of people apply with you know, pretty much any type of physical, permanent physical uh, challenge that they're dealing with. So if you're visually impaired, if you've got CP, MS, um, if you're, you know, you lost a limb through cancer or diabetes, whatever it happens to be, you know, that's, uh, that's what we're here for. And they're just they're, like I mentioned, 103 different sports. And every day, I think we gave out grants this year in para ninja who knew that was a sport, right? But it's huge (laughs) in Asia and they're pushing to get para ninja into the Paralympics at some point. So Hmm. every day, new sports, new activities, but uh, there's so many athletes in need. And the the cool part is when people find us for the first time, this, actually this week we have a uh, para triathlon camp going on, a youth para triathlon camp that we're doing with USA Triathlon. We've got twelve kids, ten girls and two boys. We have uh, one visually impaired woman, and we've got a number of. I think there's six wheelchair bound athletes and a number of amputees. And it's just cool seeing how kids light up when they find a sport that they can you know, they can be successful at. One of our kids, this kid Ryan, is an amputee, and he's a he runs. has run a four forty eight mile in high school as a bologna amputee, but para-track, the furthest event they have for him is 200 meters. That makes no Hmm. sense. So para-triathlon with a 750 meter swim and a 12.3 mile bike and a 5K run, it really suits him better. So we're teaching him to swim, teaching him to ride a bike, and hopefully by 2024 in France, he'll be on the starting line.
0: Wow, that's awesome. And uh, let's talk a little more about, uh, you know, in terms of what funding can cover. I know, like you've mentioned, oh, sure. you know, certainly travel expenses, uh-huh. uh, equipment. Coaching, can training. Cover several, yeah, you if know.
1: you're, you know, say you're, you know, you, you have a fitness center in your area and you need help paying for that monthly fee, or you have a personal coach for one gentleman we're working with right now is a 15-year-old quadruple amputee baseball player. So helping hmm. the fund, not just the legs, and we have a partnership with oser who makes the best prosthetic legs in the planet and you know they they help provide those those are fifteen thousand dollars each so they help provide those grants and then you know people who need uh, coaching training uh, um, travel to an event uh, beat bay we send a lot of athletes to beat baseball world series and a lot sure. of, you know, that that's a, a big beat baseball is one of the bigger sports that we fund and one of the more popular sports that a lot of people have never heard of. A couple of years ago, we took a number of beat baseball players to Secaucus, New Jersey, and we we're in their Studio 42, which is a wiffle ball stadium with uh, with Harold Reynolds from the MLB Network and with Carlos Ruiz from the MLB Network wearing blindfolds and playing beat baseball. So they got a sense of what this sport is all about and how challenging it is. And it was, that was really good television.
0: Oh yeah. And like we were talking earlier, I mean, it's so cool to, to be able to get on a mainstream platform like the MLB network, you know, a mainstream cable company mm-hmm. uh, outlet and, and showcase a, a sport like that. It's
1: important. And it's uh, and the athletes are such amazing athletes who a lot of them, as you know, struggle financially just to make ends meet. So, to, when you start talking about paying $3,500 for a wheelchair or travel expenses to Oklahoma for a baseball World Series, those are those would be luxury expenses. And when you have to pay your rent and pay for food, et cetera. but that's something that, that we make sure we're here for to make sure people get the equipment and the training and all the support they need to get to that game. And you know, as you know. When we're dealing with COVID and you can't get out and play ball, it's depressing. You, you've not just lost the ability to go play ball, you've lost your social group. And no doubt, now the sport is back. Uh, we're able to, you know, having these, the camps that we're doing right now and clinics is, it's great for everybody. Everybody wins when, when you can put athletes together and bring volunteers in and people just, people love helping. And people like seeing the, the fruits of the, the dollars they invest when they come out to a camper clinic and they see the smiles and they see the achievement that that's what it's all about.
0: For sure. And I'm definitely glad you brought up COVID because, uh, you know, in my case, being a baseball player, the World Series being canceled last year. Yep. Uh, but I was able to take some of the money from my grant and purchase a swing trainer device to work on my swing. Perfect you know, at home. So again, there's, if, if, there's a will, there's a way, and it's great that you guys offer those options. And I think have been even a little more flexible with COVID.
1: Oh, big time. I mean, the deal is it's keeping people healthy. And if, if there's no good, not going to be a travel, but they've already had an approved grant and why not use it for something else that's going to help, help uh, support their, their passion. So that's, that's worked out really well.
0: Definitely. yep. Uh, let's talk a little more about different events that Uh CAF actually puts on, in terms of endurance sports and perhaps even others, anything you want to mention?
1: Sure. Well, one thing we do, like I said, of the camp that we have going on right now, and then we have a, a mountain bike camp off-road, uh, off-road for, you know, wheelchair athletes and for, um, uh, regular riding, regular mountain bikes, that's, that's coming up in Colorado. We've actually been doing a lot up in, we have a chapter of CAF now, a CAF Idaho. So we're doing a lot more with winter sports uh, up in that part of the country. Hmm. And, very and cool. so we have, the way we're set up, we're our main office is in San Diego is where we have our, our building. And then we have a uh, regions in New York and in San Francisco and then up in Idaho. And um, it's been, you know, so we're doing more and more winter sports through both uh, Idaho and in New York. And we'll, we'll be doing adaptive surfing clinics. Um, we've obviously been doing downhill and Nordic ski clinics up in Idaho. So yeah, just a lot of great stuff going on. That's my favorite is just, just when our team is out on the road, putting on clinics and we've done these amputee running clinics in you know San Francisco Giants stadium and in, you know, in DC and New York and Philly a lot of different places and a lot of people run for the first time at our clinics, which is
0: very, very cool. Nice. Yeah. And wow. I mean, some amazing venues too, it sounds like.
1: And then we, in terms of our other events, normally, and before COVID, we had our million dollar challenge bike ride, which goes from San Francisco to San Diego, 620 miles, seven days. It's a uh, price tag is $12,500. People can either just write a check or or fundraise for, and we'll always have, you know, we close it off. It's a very five-star, mint-on-the-pillow type of experience. But at the same time, you'll have, you know, 20 Challenge Athletes on that trip along with the 100 or so uh, ride, you know, a 100 or so folks who are, um, are paying to be part of it. And we'll have uh, our Challenge Athletes participating. And, you know, the whining goes away when you're riding next to a hand cyclist or you're riding next to a visually impaired person on the back of a, a tandem like i think jeremy points who's i was a uh, visually impaired golfer world golf champion did our million dollar challenge and rode on the back of a tandem with the Hutt 620 miles and, and loved every second of it
0: wow and as far as other uh blind and visually impaired athletes that you've had the opportunity to come across uh, anyone else you want to shout out or mention
1: Well, my first exposure to someone visually impaired was a gentleman by the name of Tom Sullivan. And this is long before CAF. This is back in my competitor magazine and running a triathlon news days. And Tommy, he sang the anthem at the Super Bowl. He was born totally blind. He wrestled. Um, He was uh, on Good Morning America, you know, one of the morning hosts. He did everything. And I met Tommy at, he used to put on a 10K, the Tom Sullivan 10K on St. Patrick's Day. And we would go up and do that every year. And Tommy, I would guide Tommy during the run. And he didn't, we didn't tether. He, we would touch elbows every once in a while, but his sense of the road was so good that, um, you know, he sort of had a sense of where he was going. When we rode the bike and we had to get a, uh, his wife, Patty is like 5'5 and he's 6'3". Um, we had to get a local bike builder here, uh, Holland bikes to make a bike that would work for both her riding on the front and someone like myself riding on the front and Tommy on the back. But I'll tell you that the thing that hit me, Greg was the, when you're riding the bike, when you're a guide, you're, you are always on edge, you know, cracking the road, riding the bike, you know, overhanging branches. I mean, you have to be on full alert because this is. As Pat, as Tom Sullivan's wife said to me, Patty goes, Bob, that's my meal ticket on the back there. Don't be screwing this up, you know. And so that's my that's my <laughs> husband who supports our family, and you know, you're yep. a lot of trust putting me as the pilot when you've got somebody, you know, on the back who's, you know, who wants to go faster. All the the first triathlon <laughs> we did, we had a 65 pound cruiser bike tandem with a flamingo on the front that, you know, that halfway during a bike ride, Tommy's like, uh, Babbitt, is there a flamingo on the front of the bike? I said, yeah, he goes, huh? <laughs> I had no idea. There was a flamingo on the front of the bike. I said, yeah. So anyways, Tommy was, he, I just learned a lot because he was so able bodied that we, you know, you, you forget that he's visually impaired. So I'd be like, I'll meet right. you in the car. He goes, no, you'll meet me in a lobby. We got, I got to, you know, get to the car. I, I, it's, Oh yeah, I forgot. And I I learned a ton from Tommy about that. And, um, then we, every year we have a adaptive surfing world championships and seeing the athletes who are visually impaired doing that is, I mean, you're, you're basically counting on the person pushing you into the wave to not push you in at the wrong time. It's, uh, I have a ton of respect for visually impaired athletes because their trust has to be so pure. They have to, they have to accept unconditionally that the person with them ha, is, is always aware and is taking care of their best interests.
0: Absolutely. Well said. And I think, uh, you know, maybe a fair analogy you could say is, is this, you know, a blind person and, and his or her guide dog. Yes. Um, obviously, a human and a guide dog are very different, but yep. you know there is some similarity there.
1: Yeah, we've got a young man named Joel Gomez who uh, is a track athlete and just was put on the para, a Paralympic um, track, his first Paralympic track and field team. I think he's, he's sixteen or seventeen. He's a high in high school, and uh, he ran a five minute fifteen hundred. Um, so he has similar. I think his vision is similar. To Jeremy Poinsano, the golfer, where it's, he's, he sees sort of that donut hole where they have the, the center of their vision is missing, but they can see peripherally around. Um, sure. Yeah, Joel's an amazing athlete. And um, obviously, Jeremy winning the World Golf Championship three times now, I think. And you know what's fascinating about that is he was a, a golfer growing up, and his dad had a standing tea time for years every Sunday. And then when Jeremy lost his sight, he figured golf was done. And his dad actually had bought him a new set of irons for Christmas and didn't know if he should give it to him or not because he just lost his vision. And finally decided, you know, I'm going to give him the, the, the irons. And Jeremy was upset. So you know, it's sort of like he's being teased. You're giving me these things, you know, that about a month later after his dad kept saying, well, let's go to driving range. They finally went to the driving range and he said, He had told himself, if I miss a ball, I'm going home. And he hit the ball really well. And that led to this amazing relationship with him and his dad, because his dad became not only his caddy, but his eyes uh, for all these tournaments where he won world championships and the bond between Jeremy and his dad. And then now Jeremy is a father himself. Just had actually had the U S open golf tournament was here two weeks ago in San Diego. And had him on local TV outlet because golf is in town. Jeremy is world golf champion. And it's Father's Day. And he's, you know, the relationship with him and his dad is so good because of, you know, the the, the, the visual impairment brought them closer together. And now he's a father himself. So it's just one of those things where it was a perfect story for that that particular weekend.
0: Absolutely. That's a great story and certainly a microcosm of of many stories, I'm sure. And uh, just kind of in general terms, talk to me about uh, individuals you've come across, you know, maybe who struggled a lot with, say, mental health because of their disability, uh, you know, were just in a very negative place and how sport really transformed their lives uh, and and just really changed them for, for the better.
1: We've you know, you've seen so many athletes over time who have, you know, the, the, and it's funny too, because we had this one gal, Lyra Doterline, who was adopted from Russia by these, her, her adopted parents are from Arizona. And Lyra, um, her, her legs were born, she was born with deformed legs. And her parents in, in Russia were told, you'll never be able to afford the treatment your daughter needs. So you should put her up for adoption and they did. And then this family from Arizona adopted Lyra and she came here and she had braces on her legs and she used crutches. And when she turned 14 and sport was not part of her life, she turned 14. the doctor said, Lyra, you know, at some point, you know, your, your legs continue to get heavier. You're putting a lot of stress on your shoulders. Your legs aren't getting any better. So at some point, you may want to think about amputation. And her adoptive parents were just appalled. Why would we ever do that? Where Lyra was like, please, these things are just, they're doing nothing for me. So as soon as they amputated her legs, her, her life as an athlete began, and she became uh, started playing sled hockey, and now is on the U.S. Sled Hockey Developmental Program. She, we got her into a hand cycle. She's now on the CAF's women's hand cycling team. And is, is hopefully a hopeful for 2024 in hand cycling and got into winter sports. And now she's doing biathlon and cross country skiing, uh, para Nordic skiing. So just seeing how her glow and just seeing how important sport is in her life and how it's changed her as a person and made her way
0: more comfortable in her skin is it's really rewarding. Absolutely. That's a that's a wonderful story. And, you know, just uh, like I always say and love to communicate on this podcast, uh, the the benefits of physical activity, you know, whether you are a triathlete or just someone who likes to go for a walk every day. I mean, physical activity has so many benefits uh, in terms of, you know, whether it's a career, whether it's relationships, family, dating. You know, it's it's just amazing how much sport, recreation, physical activity can transform someone. And it keeps you off medication. That's the thing that I think is totally misunderstood, that it's therapeutic to
1: get out there when you're having a bad day or a good day and go for a bike ride, go for a hand cycle. And we would see it a lot with you'd get a family and dad comes back from or Afghanistan, and he's paralyzed. And the family goes for a bike ride and dad's sitting around the house. Well, dad has a hand cycle which is you know, a few thousand dollars, the whole family's going for a bike ride. That just changes everything. It just binds, it bonds everybody closer together. So you know, I, I will never be one of those guys underestimating the power of sport. Sport is, is so essential. For, it makes us better at everything we do. It makes you a better parent, better employer, better employee. It's, uh, it's just, there's something about the adrenaline and just the whole chemical, chemical <laughs> involvement. When you get in the sport, it changes you for the better.
0: Absolutely. The very well poet. And then uh, just to wrap up here, I know, Bob, you do uh, host a podcast and, you know, have interviewed many individuals. Uh, I would imagine some we've even spoken about here. Yeah. And if, uh, you know, someone's interested in finding uh, those interviews, the podcast, uh, talk to me about where they can find that.
1: Sure. So they can go to Babbitville uh, for Babbittville.com is sort of our main website. And then I have a YouTube channel under Babbittville, And uh, Breakfast with Bob is our interview that show that we do. We started it 10 years ago in Kona, leading into the Iran World Championship. And I've got a ukulele player, Poncho Man, who leads into each interview and closes out each interview. And we do the interviews at a place called Huggo's, which is right there in, in, on the Big Island, Hawaii. So when we weren't able to go to Kona, uh, we started doing the Breakfast with Bob Not Quite Kona edition from my living room and from the ironing board that I'm sitting at right now with video <laughs> background from Kona, from the huggos with taped uh, intros from Pancho Man. And so I think we've done probably close to a hundred of those interviews since COVID hit. And then uh, we do the show from, we've done the breakfast show from Boston marathon, New York city, marathon from Abu Dhabi, Dubai, um, Bahrain nice, you know, we'll be going to St. George this next week. I'll be up at the Paranational Cycling Championships in Boise, Idaho. So it's it's uh, that's been a lot of fun. And then we started when COVID hit a uh, CAF Heroes of Sport show, where we interview different challenge athletes. And uh, we're we've been fortunate enough to do I think we've done 125, 130 interviews since last April uh, of of our amazing athletes telling their backstories. That's 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 been a total blast, and you can find those. I think those are on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook channel for Challenge Athletes Foundation. So there's there's a lot of content out there.
0: Definitely, and I can certainly link to uh, all that information in the show notes, so everyone can easily access that as well. Thank you. For sure, and yeah, quick shout out to Scott Leeson. I did have on this podcast at one point. I believe oh, we had also interviewed him. <laughs> Scotty is the best, and talk
1: about a guy who you know he that's the thing that always amazes me. Here's a guy who was in the military and gets out of the military totally unscathed. And then he's working at a 7-Eleven when someone, just some guy comes in and and shoots him in the head and he loses his vision. And then he comes back from that to become surfer and water skier and wakeboarder and world champion and traveling the world. So it's it's just, uh, there's no limiting the human spirit and scott lesion's just one of those guys who lights up the room every time you see him.
0: very true quite a character but just such a down-to-earth you know great person yep cool all right well again we've been chatting with bob babbitt uh co-founder and ambassador for a challenged athletes foundation and bob uh, thank you so much for your time it's been an honor chatting with you and and to have you on my podcast and cannot thank you enough uh, for joining me here.
1: Greg, I appreciate everything you're doing. Showcasing great athletes is is something that more people need to do. The the athletes that you and I both get to chat with on a regular basis, uh, they lead to that next group of athletes who go who are thinking I can never do anything. I'm visually impaired. It's like, uh, you know what? There is no limit. You can do whatever you want to do.
0: Absolutely, no question. All right, once again, Bob, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome, Greg.
0: Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebookcom eyesfree and on Twitter at eyesfree sports.